0: Imagine going and giving your life savings to a bum on the street. You feel that tension when when those words come in my mouth, yet that's what Jesus did. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, yet Christ died for us while we were sinners. Like, we don't understand every aspect of God in the Bible. There are things in this life when we're walking with God that we won't know until we get to heaven. Healings, miracles, all these things. Why didn't God heal this person? Why did he heal that person? We oftentimes try to attribute human statements and worldly wisdom to explain the heavenly things which ultimately aren't God's voice. I don't got to explain or understand why or have the answers in a complete five paragraph bullet point form. I just trust that he knows what he's doing. Interestingly, John uses the word obey here when Jesus uses the word believe. Are they contradicting no, but rather one and the same. Believing results in obeying, and obeying is proof you believe, and that is believing and obeying Jesus Christ. What's up everybody, welcome back to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. This episode is the most unique episode we have ever done, literally, because this is the first time I've ever done a podcast or I've ever done a podcast without a actual microphone. I'm using the Voice Memos app on my iPhone because... I am currently at my parents' house in South Texas, and I'm not in San Angelo. But something that's really been important to me, and I think is the next step for the podcast, is just consistency. And to be consistent, sometimes you gotta do things unconventional, and I gotta lay down my perfectionist mentality in regards to the, you know, the the, the production, you know, the microphones, the cameras, or whatever, and just be consistent. And bringing whatever God has put on my heart and share it with y'all. And that's the most important thing. So that's what we're going to do. The last couple weeks has been crazy busy. And as if y'all have probably seen on social media, Ty recently just won the American Rodeo. My cousin, Brayden's brother, he just won 600000 one of the biggest rodeos of the year. He got first place. And it was just an incredible moment for our family, incredible moment that I got to, you know, God bless me with opportunity to just be able to hang out with him. And prior to him winning for the last five months, me and him have been hanging out more than ever. And... It's just having, I've just been having a blast. I'm gonna look back on that memory. It's just a core memory. There's just been a lot of great things happening right now with my schedule and Braden's schedule. It has been a really big learning curve to really we're working around Braden's schedule. He's rodeoing. He's traveling to, you know, two, three times a week to go rope at places within the state of Texas. He went to Florida recently. And then also scheduling around the guests, you know, guests um, calendar. It's been tough, but we're not gonna give up. We're gonna push through. No good thing ever that was that ever happened to anybody it was easy. So we're gonna keep pushing through. Interviews planned, keep producing content. We have some fun things planned for the podcast, and our goal is just to, to remain consistent. So, with that being said, over the last two three weeks, I finished up my reading in Luke. I was reading Luke for a while, probably about a month. And I recently have started John and Keenan. It's cool about Keenan, he always talks about John. That it really gives us details about the Gospels that the other ones don't. It's it's a very unique Gospel compared to the other three. And I've been reading it a lot and writing notes. And I actually have planned to release soon, or I mean it's on my list, to start doing an email list or something of the sorts. And start sending out my notes that I write down. So I've been going through each chapter, each section, and, and writing like my own commentary, my own thoughts, plus you know, other sources that I learned things from. And I just wanted to teach a moment on, you know, one that I thought was impactful, which was John 3. Really, the whole chapter of John 3 we'll probably be covering, but really, chapter 3, verses 22 through 20, I'm sorry, through 36. I've labeled this the bridegroom's friend. And to kick it off, we all know somebody, you know, I'm a wedding videographer, I'm a videographer, so I've experienced this at a larger scale than y'all probably have, but the over-involved friend, mom, cousin, aunt, anybody, it can be a guy too, let me not be sexist, it can be an over-involved uncle, cousin, brother, whatever, implants themselves in situations and becomes over-controlling, overbearing. A lot of times these family members or friends are over-helpful. Of course, it's kind of out of love, but it ends up The whole wedding day being about them and they become the center of attention. And that's kind of how, you know, some context to kick off this podcast because John uses a great analogy about weddings here. It truly reflects how our our heart should be towards God and towards others and just toward just a way we should live life, right? This is John 3 verses 22 through 36. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing at Anon, near Salim, or Salim, because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was because before John This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing, purification. There came to John They came to John and said to him, "'Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him.'" He's talking about Jesus. "'To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice.'" That that joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all, and the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. So some context for y'all, if y'all are not familiar with scripture, but John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That is this what I'm the the section of scripture I'm talking about is directly after that. That's the most famous Bible verse, you know, section of any religious book in the history of the world is John three sixteen. So this is John immediately after that. So that's the context of what we're talking about. The part I want to focus on is verse 25. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, Jesus, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. This certain Jew comes over there and asks a question that is basically rooted in a a selfish motive even though he may not know it right he's like you were the guy you were the one who was who was preparing the way who was calling out like a voice in the wilderness preparing the way for the coming messiah and then the messiah came and now all the people are coming to the messiah but you were the guy now everyone is going to him and he's baptizing more than you are and the way john replies is just beautiful because it it reflects a way we should walk out this life a way we should, let me put it this way, a lot of times we try to explain things in this life as humans, as religious people, not in a good way religious, we try to explain things in an earthly way to explain the things of heaven, right, so if someone said, hey, Your ministry is not doing as well as the guy down the street. What I would say is a religious or an earthly way to say it was: his tactics, or what is his tactics? What what is he doing to then increase his viewership online and his online ministry or whatever? And try to formulate a earthly statement to explain a Holy Spirit's moving on a group of people in a group in a specific congregation. Um, We will try to oftentimes put an earthly explanation on it, but that's not what John does. What does John say when this question is asked? To this, John replied, verse 27, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. He responds in the most simple, blunt, yet truthful way that everything I have received is from heaven already, so now how am I going to be mad if the Messiah is coming and his ministry is booming more than me or he's baptizing more than me the fact that i even was baptizing in the first place is from him anyways you yourselves can testify that i said i am not the messiah but i'm sent ahead of him if we back up to john 1 verse 29 it says the next day john saw jesus coming toward him and said look behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world this is the one i meant when i said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that that this is God's chosen one. So John was prepared. And what's crazy is John and Jesus are relatives. Elizabeth and Mary were relatives. You can go to Luke 1 and read it. Mary and Elizabeth are relatives. So John more than likely knew Jesus his whole life. Yet when God sent him, he did not tell John, you're going to be looking for Jesus, your relative. He said, you're going to be looking for the one, the Messiah is the one, who the Spirit comes and rests upon. The heavens opened up and a loud thundering voice said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. All these things, John had no idea. He just said, the spirit will descend, descend like a dove on this Messiah. Look for this. And then that's the one who I'm called. So this is who he's who he's talking about. This is the situation he's talking about in John 3 when he says, You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, but I am sent. I am sent ahead of him. So he's saying all along I never said I was the Messiah. So how are you going to come at me with this nonsense of saying why are you not baptizing more than him? He was saying his whole job. The point is for him not to baptize more. The point, if he was baptizing more than Jesus in the first place, then that would be the problem. But he said, from the beginning, I never said I was the Messiah. I came and I was preparing the way." And this is the beautiful part about the bridal analogy that I was trying to tell you all about. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus. The bride is the church. The people, the church is a people, the people or the bride, the bridegroom comes. And the cool part about the Jewish religion in this context is the bridegroom would go prepare the house and the bride would stay with her family or wherever. And then he would return when the house was ready or the, the establishment was ready. Come get the bride and they would go and they would be married and then they would go live happily ever after. Right. So the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. And the best part about it is that John, who does he say he is? He says he's the bridegroom's friend. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. I'm going to read this from my computer. These are the original notes I sent. John and the Jew display worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom. Worldly wisdom, John is the man. He has his own ministries anointed by God for a task to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. He's the man. Now the Messiah has come. The big man, the real man, right? God God in flesh, literally. The God man. And everyone's looking to him and John is now on the sidelines. Look, says the Jew, he is baptized and all are going to him. This is similar to the people who were selling sacrificial offerings in the temple when Jesus went to overturn the tables. Worldly wisdom says that's brilliant. Great economic gain can be had because there's need of oxen, sheep, and false small pheasants for people to make sacrifices. Well, let's strategically place the sale of these animals there to help people out so they can make their sacrifices. Let me pause. In Matthew 21, Jesus goes into the temple and overturns the money tables of the lenders because people were selling these sacrificial offerings, selling so people can come and make sacrifices in the outer courts of the temple. It was within the temple, but it was in the outer courts, so people... We're selling these things in the temple of God. While people may say this was to help people out, it was all born from the same root, self-centeredness, which produces covetousness and seeking gain. Now, John displays godly wisdom. A person cannot receive one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Yes, John goes on to elaborate on the statement, but I love how he leads with this. We oftentimes try to understand the things of God through human wisdom, making theology to provide understanding on the hard aspects of God that if we were honest, we're born out of hurt. The problem is that these human thought processes that people say in hopes to help people cope with aspects of God, they do not understand. Though the motive may be in love, it's not in scripture. It's the people who make simple statements like John who are yielding to the wisdom of God. Yielding to the wisdom of God doesn't mean you will always understand. Yeah, I believe John understood completely what was happening there. He doesn't display any doubt. But if we take this idea and apply it to our life today, we oftentimes don't understand implications. Like, we don't understand every aspect of God in the Bible. There are things in this life when we're walking with God that we won't know until we get to heaven. Healings, miracles, all these things. Why didn't God heal this person? Why did he heal that person? We oftentimes try to attribute human statements and worldly wisdom to explain the heavenly things which ultimately aren't God's voice. Right? And I know that's extremely vague, but understand the principle. I don't think John ever had a doubt about what was happening here, but oftentimes take take what take what John did in response to a question he was posed with, right? He is over there baptizing more than you. What? And the Jews waiting for a response. He says, Not anything was given to me unless it was given to me from heaven. Everything I've received is from heaven. His response doesn't waver and try to explain. He doesn't try to explain what's happening. All he says is, I'm on assignment here from God himself. And he told me to testify. Whoever the dove descends on, that's the Messiah. Okay, that's the Messiah. Now he's baptizing more than me. That's all I know. And I still believe I don't got to explain or understand why or have the answers in a complete five paragraph bullet point form. I just trust that he knows what he's doing. The beautiful idea is that the attention is not on John. It's on the bridegroom. John makes himself to be the bridegroom's friend here who stands and hears him rejoicing greatly at the bridegroom's voice. The perfect picture of selflessness honor and correct attention the way our hearts are positioned when our friends get married needs to be our walk with the lord heightened servanthood heightened selflessness and a heightened desire to see the joy of the wedding party before our own needs to be the posture of our hearts at the end of the day if we don't understand something about god or we don't understand something that's going on in our life he came from heaven jesus came from heaven put on flesh. As God, completely God, put on human flesh and walked as a man. He came from heaven. So how can we dare not fully trust the things he says? He he has an understanding that is on a level that is way higher than what we can comprehend because he came from heaven. I have not experienced heaven here on earth. Cole Harris, I have never experienced heaven yet. Jesus did. And he came, and that's the perfect bridge, Jesus being the mediator between God and man, because he literally came. God is bigger than our minds can even comprehend and understand, and that's why the sinful activities of man, they begin to worship idols, because they began to conform God to an image or a statue, and they wanted to see what they worshipped, but ultimately that compromised the character of God, that that's not God, that's an idol. Because they wanted to see, touch, taste, and smell the senses. They wanted to worship that. Yet that's the beauty of Jesus. Because he came as a literal mediator. Because what's more of a mediator than coming and walking as a man? He experienced the human temptations, the human experience like we do. So he bridged the gap. He came and relate out of his love. He came and really he understood our, our inability to do it on our own. So he came and dwelt among us. He came and dwells among us. How can we not listen to what he says? He came from heaven and utters the words of God, the Father, and gives the Spirit without measure. And without measure means he's not holding back. He's not holding back onto or for himself, but freely giving. Jesus is not holding back his Holy Spirit. When he gives the Holy Spirit, you have the Spirit without measure. You have the full nature of God. The Holy Spirit who lives in us is God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us as the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. In the Old Testament, they had to build these dwelling places for God. There were 200, 300 acre buildings, yet now the Holy Spirit dwells in us, this temple. And he doesn't give it without measure. And the beauty of it is that imagine going and giving your life savings to a bum on the street. Imagine walking up to the homeless person on the street and giving him your life savings. There's a resistance there. There's You feel that tension when, I, when those words come in my mouth. Yet yeah, that's what Jesus did. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, yet Christ died for us while we were sinners. Christ died for us while we were sinners. For my friends and for my family, surely I'll jump in front of a bus. But a, a guy going down the street? Gosh, no one ever does that. Jumps in front of a bus for a random person, yet yeah, that's what Christ did for us when we were eternally separated from him because of our sin problem we were outcasts we were we were far and disobedient chasing the desires of our flesh and the the passions of our body yet christ came and bridged the gap when he was without sin he was in heaven and he left heaven the last thing i'll say is just a repeating of john 3 1 through 19 the last thing that john says he just repeats what jesus says Interesting interestingly John uses the word obey here when Jesus uses the word believe. Are they contradicting? No, but rather one and the same. Believing results in obeying and obeying is proof you believe and that is believing and obeying Jesus Christ. So, I did a lot of I did a lot of repeating and hitting on the same points and reading scripture, but I hope y'all got something out of this. Thank y'all for listening, thank y'all for bearing with the audio and the lack of podcast microphones, but I pray this was a blessing to you, make sure you send any of our podcasts to a friend, Um, and yeah, thank y'all so much, God bless, we will see y'all in the next episode.